Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman, and my guest this week is Gunnar Christiansen from Gunnar Records in Germany. And we have a great conversation about the new Divided Heaven Record Oblivion because this is the 15th and final episode in this Into Oblivion series. Now, to catch you all up, I've been interviewing the various personnel that I worked with on putting out this new Divided Heaven record, Oblivion. The record came out February 4th. We expect the CDs any day. We expect the vinyl records every day. Gunner and I have a really good conversation explaining how and why there is such a traffic jam at the record pressing plants right now and the perils that that means for smaller artists like myself and other artists that are on AF Records and Gunner Records and who are not these uh, major label juggernauts who are repressing old records for the purpose of selfish collectors. We get into all of that and more in this great conversation, but I want to thank you, the listeners of the Berman Hour podcast, for uh, joining me on this journey, the Into Oblivion series where I've been talking to all these great people. I would like to thank everybody that has purchased or at least streamed the new Divided Heaven record, Oblivion. If you would like to purchase the record, you can do so by going to DividedHeaven.com where you will find a link for the uh, European order through Gunner Records if that's where you live. Or if you're in North America, you can get it through AF Records. Both of those links, again, are at DividedHeaven.com. And uh, I've had a great time talking to all these people. Many of them I've known, you know, are friends. And some of them I didn't know until, you know, I started working with them through the process of putting out this new Divided Heaven record. The producers, of course, Charlie Stavish, Mike Biancaniello, my boo, Tim Van Dorn in Antwerp, Belgium, and last but not least, Mr. Frank Turner as well. I've got great engineer help from all those people as well, in addition to my friend Bradley Riot. Great players on this record. I have Nick Morreale. I have Randy Moore. I have Jessica Guise. I have Jen Ravazzi, otherwise known as Jen Pop. I had Derek Envy, so many other people. I had a great artist, Doug Dean. Doug Dean does great artwork. I, I Please, if you're in a band, reach out to Doug Dean. He does great artwork. Love talking to him. Of course, uh, my manager, Peter Marullo. Thank you very much. And Christo and Gunnar, the guys who put out the, the record, you know, to begin with. So this has been... A really fun exercise and a cool thing to do that was a little bit different from what I was normally doing with the Berman Hour podcast. And so thank you all very much. Enjoy my conversation with Gunnar from Gunnar Records. And I'll see you on the other side. Let's get it. FaceTime or Zoom, I'm always impressed with the record collection behind you. Because <laughs> it, it, you have CDs, you have records obviously but it also looks like you have picks and backstage laminates and toys and stuff like that like yeah, what else do you have behind you <laughs> yeah it's it's like it's a it's a collection of all these things yeah it's like from from festivals tours like little little remember stuff it's like from from soccer games like yeah it's it's like everything yeah like 
toys. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's my little playroom here and office. So it's a little bit of both. <laughs> right. If you had to pick, I always like asking people who run record labels this question, but if you had to pick your favorite all-time record, not that you put out on Gunner Records, but just that you love and presumably have somewhere in that stack of records behind you, what is your all-time favorite record? I mean, that's, that's of course, a tough question because it doesn't <laughs> really is that specific record that is like the favorite one. But pretty close to that is The Clash and London Calling. Like, mm-hmm. I really love that record. It's like... That's an acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll let it pass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 that's great. I'm, I'm being facetious. That's great. Um, I'm curious, though, since I'm starting with the, the difficult questions here on this podcast, do you have a favorite record that you've put out on Gunner Records? No, it's like in, with every release I'm putting out, there's something about it that gets me and why I did it. And so they all mean a lot to me for some reason, but different reasons. So there's not this one release that I like best or love more than the others. It's they all mean something to me. And it's it's like they're all they all have something special in it. Yeah, that's great. So there's sentimentality in in each release that you do. Even if it's just a little bit. (laughs) bit, Yeah, (laughs) is it safe to say, though, that sink or swim the first gaslight anthem record is the biggest record that you've put out yes okay okay i discovered that band right when that record came out i like to tell my friends the story i went to a show to see the riot before at a bar in brooklyn new york because i liked that band a lot and i was just starting to play solo divided heaven shows and this is back when people still took flyers of the shows that they were promoting to other shows. So yeah. I went to that show in Brooklyn and it was the kind of bar that every time you buy a drink, they give you a ticket stub for a free hot dog or something or a free pizza. I think it was hot dogs at that bar. Anyway, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I went and the ride before were great. And I, I just I, I loved that band. I missed that band. And then this band, the Gaslight Anthem started playing. And it was a Monday night and there was maybe like 20 people there. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, Monday night raw is on tonight. I think I'm going to, I'm going to leave after this next song and and go home and watch wrestling on TV. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then my friend Barry Cohen uh, put out a compilation of bands that she had uh, spotlighted and featured on her radio show called generic insight radio. And there was a Gaslight Anthem song on that comp that was clearly the best song on that record. And then I fell in love with that band and then the record came out shortly thereafter. I'm curious, what attracted you to Gaslight Anthem? Did did you hear about them from the buzz they had in the States or did you come across them on their European tours? No, actually, I mean, I was the person that booked the first European tours and- Oh, wow. I think before that record, they only had like a, I can't remember if it was like a three or four song demo demo they had online and everybody could download it. 
for free. It was just a demo. It was like a bunch of songs. And I think it's pretty, pretty long ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> but at that time I was touring a lot with uh, Against Me. Mm -hmm. And um, their tour manager, Jordan, who did also merch for them, mm -hmm. he was telling me about this band and I, that I should check him out. And I did. And then I found him online and heard these uh, three songs. And I was so excited about him that I wrote him. And uh, Brian got back to me. And uh, yeah, we figured all this out. And I uh, was able to release a record over here and book the first couple of tours. Yeah, that's awesome. That That's really great. You're excited, presumably, about the reunion? Yeah, I was pretty excited because yeah, like, I still talk to all of them and I like them all. Like They're great people and it's it's really great that they are back together and play again. Yeah. Just to add a little bit of a punctuation to the story that I just told about leaving a Gaslight Anthem show early to go watch <laughs> professional wrestling. It was about two and a half years later where I was living in Los Angeles and I was at a red light waiting for the light to change and a car pulls up next to me blasting the 59 sound. And I look over thinking it's going to be somebody that looks like you or somebody that looks like me, you know, or, or you know, some Los Angeles, California version of a punk rocker, but no, it was just a dude in a suit and tie, just like a regular looking dude. And I was like, wow, that was, <laughs> that was fast. That was fast. And then I went to see them a few months later and I was like, oh my goodness, it's like 2,500 people here. This is, this is crazy. Did, did the uh, same thing kind of happen for them in your experience when you were booking them and, and tour managing them in, in Europe? Actually, that was uh, a little different. I think it took a while longer over here than in the States. And we, of course, had like on that first run, on that first tour, we had like shows where they played in front of 10 people or five or like not a lot of people showed up. And then it got more and more. And by the end of the tour, they had like, I guess it was in gutting. They had around like 200 or 250 people at the show. So that was uh, pretty impressive. Like for us, it was like, we didn't know what to expect, especially when we had like these, these uh, shows where not so many people came out. And then by the end, we had like this for us big show. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. And <clears throat> after that, it went pretty fast in the UK. Like in the UK, they got uh, bigger, faster than in the rest of Europe. And so the shows in the UK got bigger and bigger. And then finally, uh, the rest of Europe followed. And with mm -hmm. the 59 sound, everything blew up. Yeah. 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 That seems to be the way it goes. I'm curious, though. Did you discover punk rock at an early age in terms of the music, but also being involved, you know, because you went on to tour manage and book and you're obviously doing a record label. But when you got involved initially in this subculture, was it just for the music or were you immediately doing other things as well? Uh, when I when I grew up, like a bunch of friends that I went to to high school with, um, 
started listening to that kind of music and I always kind of like like more the guitar like the more heavier sound and so at that time there were like fun punk bands with German lyrics that I was listening to when I was mm. super young <clears throat> and but then those friends from the high school they like they changed like their their appearance like they all of a sudden had like uh sides of the head were shaved and they had like uh, oh uh like punky <laughs> clothes on and um, so they went to different schools after but we met met again through that and, and started talking again and they showed me music like dead kennedys and stuff like that or bad brains like that was what i what i got first when it came to punk and so <clears throat> yeah, I, I got I got excited about all these bands, and uh, of course there was still Deutsch punk, but at that time it was a lot about drinking and hanging out, listening to that kind of punk rock. So there wasn't so much getting involved in stuff that came later. <laughs> yeah, what was your first foray foray into you know being involved other than just a a fan and a listener and a spectator was it booking or did you start the label first i was driving and uh did uh tour managing first and sold merch uh-huh like a friend of mine did that like his his company was called the company was a golden arm and he was from hamburg at the time and he did like he for example booked that uh first couple of against me tours over here mm-hmm. and this is how i got there the driver at that time and yeah i was actually doing a lot of tours for him and at that time there was like there was not much money in in this whole touring business like when you came over from from the states you already had to pay a lot for the flights and everything and then you had to rent a van and rent gear and all that and there wasn't like coming like a, a lot of money in every night. So there was not much money involved and they couldn't really pay for somebody to drive. Yeah. But for me, it was like, it was an adventure, like getting, getting all over Germany and all over Europe and meet like punks everywhere and hang out, having a good time and uh, uh, get friends. Like, so that's why I did it. And this is when it started in 1997. That was my first tour. And the label, yeah, that, that came later. Like I have my 15th year anniversary this year. So that's like, what do we have? Congratulations. <laughs> so that, that was uh, 2006 or 2007 when I what well, What was the first release on Gunner Records? Mischief Brew Smash the Windows. Ah, yes. Great band. That's a good one, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mischief Brew has Pennsylvania roots. I'm in Pennsylvania now, as, as you know, but as the listeners know, uh, I'm not in California anymore. I'm back in Pennsylvania. But uh, the person for Mischief Brew passed away a couple of years ago. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, draw- really a pity. He was such a great guy. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on his name. What was his name? Eric Peterson. Yes, yes. If I remember correctly, he was in a band called The Orphans before yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Westchester, Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania world. 
there were a few bands that kind of transcended all three of those little scenes and and the orphans were one of them and obviously mischief brew was was kind of on a different level but yeah so 15 years of gunner records wow wow that's awesome do you have 15 more years in you <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well it was this whole vinyl thing going on right now where you can't really produce the way you want anymore and it's getting more and more expensive. Like, I don't know how, how long I can still do this. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I tell people outside of our punk rock world this fact all the time. But vinyl never went out of style for punks. Like, as soon as I discovered punk as a, as a young kid, I started buying records immediately. My parents thought I was on some like vintage kick. But I was like, no, this is a band that I saw at a fire station three days ago. This is a new thing. But now it's kind of everybody's hobby is collecting records. So if you're hip hop or pop or uh, trap or like everybody's pressing vinyl, which is cool, but it's making it it's making it difficult for the punks, man. We've, we've been doing vinyl this this whole time. What do you think the way out of this predicament is? Is it just settling for higher vinyl prices and longer wait times? Or do you think there's actually a solution i mean the thing is like the main problem is uh, what i think is like that the major labels do like a lot of represses and, and like and they they have like a lot of like when i do a pressing it's it's mainly about like 500 records yeah. And so if like a major shows up and says, hello, I need now something like 5,000 to 10,000 10, uh, Phil Collins LPs, uh, can we do this? And of course, they're, they're saying like, all right, uh, I can press 10,000 records of 500 of this guy, which is a lot of more work for me. So I take the 10,000 Phil Collins records. But the thing is like, when you go to a flea market over here, like in every box, there's like that exact Phil Collins record and it costs you about one euro or something similar to that. So you can still get him everywhere and there's not really a need to repress that in such uh, high numbers. And so they're kind of blocking, blocking you out right now, but I can't see that so many people are buying uh, this these LPs now that are coming out that are represses of something that you can still get everywhere. So I think that the hype hopefully is going down at some point and yeah. vinyl comes back to the punks. <laughs> yeah, there's punk bands and punk labels that are doing that same sort of thing, though. I don't want to implicate anybody because I don't. I don't want you or I to get blacklisted by uh, <laughs> anybody uh, whose last name is Gerwitz, who's in uh, Los Angeles, California. But <laughs> it's like reissues of Pennywise records. And it's like these things still exist. Like they're still out there. Uh, it's not placating to the betterment of younger artists being able to use that format as a means of getting their music out. It's placating to the capitalistic approach of the collector, which to me yeah. is anachronistic to the whole thing. The record label name is Gunner Records, but true. your name is Gunnar. Yeah, that is true too. Okay, <laughs> because <laughs> Jeff Rowe always 
very subtly and politely corrects me. Like in the same way that like, you know, if, if somebody's, uh, uh, you know, transgender and their pronouns have changed and like, they'll subtly correct you like she or they, or they, yeah. you know, like, like, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, Gunnar, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Gunnar, like, well, Gunnar, no, 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 Gunnar. <laughs> what was the impetus behind naming the, the label after yourself, but with that slightly different stylistic change? Yeah, that was uh, from from driving and, and being on tour so much with American bands. None of them was able to pronounce my, uh, <laughs> my name correctly. For for them, it was always Gunner, and they it was with an E instead of the A. Yeah. So it, it was always like that, and I needed a name fast, and I already had a logo in mind, and everything was super quick and so i had the name and to be honest at that time i was only thinking like maybe release like one or two records and that was supposed to be it mm -hmm. so yeah there, there was not a lot of thinking in that name or anything <laughs> it was meant to to end soonish and look at me now 15 years later, 15 years later yeah still doing this and having put out like uh, yeah millions of records as a sometimes seems to me yeah was your intent to always focus on u.s bands or or rather u.s artists that were putting out a record here in the states but needed a european label to release it in europe just like you did with the divided heaven record oblivion which everybody listening to this podcast should buy right now whether you're <laughs> in the states or in europe but going to AF Records and Gunner Records, respectively. But was that kind of always the intention that you were going to be kind of uh, co-releasing with American labels? No, not really. Like when I started uh, that Mischief Brew record, like I, I think I did the only pressing of it, to be honest. It never came out on Fisolo, which was Eric's and Denise's label at the time. Like right. they usually did all the Mischief Brew stuff in the States. But that Smash the Windows records on vinyl, I think I, I was the only label that did it. And they did a CD version, if I mm -hmm. remember this correctly. But yeah, it, it was never meant to be like only for American uh, bands and like do like some, some sort of split release with American labels. Like to me, it was just like at, at the time when I started, I believe the the American bands, they, they just were a little bit better, you know, like they were, they were trying harder and there was more behind it. And um, a lot of the bands in Germany never really played live or toured. So <clears throat> it wasn't, it wasn't quite the same. So it was easier to, to actually find bands that I liked in the U S than in Germany, for example, but this changed completely completely like now i have like bands from all over and right. a lot of german bands too yeah really an eclectic roster and i i think that you have the best running roster of any punk label going right now thank you that's very kind of you well in part because you have divided heaven now but that's that's only a small <laughs> a small part but it is something i, I did want to touch upon and this could probably be a good thing to end on um well, actually, I know I have one more uh, topical, controversial question, but Divided Heaven, Joe McMahon, Jared Hart, 
uh, Jeff Rowe, my friend who I mentioned previously, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, if I may say so, really great punk singer songwriters that can translate it into a full band thing uh, on record and on stage seamlessly. Did you expect to be releasing so many singer songwriter records when you started the label and you were kind of focused on bands? I know you said earlier that you were more initially attracted to the the harder guitar and the, the harder punk stuff. And here you are putting out, you know, records by these singer songwriters who oftentimes have really delicate songs. Yeah. I mean, I never thought that, that it wouldn't end up like that. And so many <laughs> singer songwriters end up on my label, but on the other hand, uh, most of them released like, uh, band records on my label as well so did jeff rowe was like um tied to a bear or mm-hmm. uh of course mercy union with jared hart mm-hmm. and even the uh, joe mcmahon uh record you mentioned is like a full band record yeah absolutely so, and and it it reminds me a lot like his record in specific about like the, the later smoke or fire stuff. It's not as heavy, but it's, it's still like, it has a pretty good punk feel to it. And when I started like Eric Peterson, for example, he was playing a lot of his shows solo by himself too. Like, so he was kind of like a singer songwriter as well. But yeah. yeah, he did like full band sets and uh, records as well. So, yeah. How much has Brexit interrupted your flow of distro and just general footprint in the UK? No, actually, a lot changed with that because now all of a sudden you have to deal with customs and taxes for customs and you can't send as easily as before um, your records into the UK and back. Um, So yeah, that's a little sad. And then uh, the other thing was that you usually, when you did a tour over here as a, like whatever band it was, you, you would go over to the UK as well and play a bunch of shows there too. And that's not as easy anymore because of Brexit now too. So, which is kind of, kind of sad and well i think we have to live with it now but uh i hope that would change at some point again because this is really yeah it's it's annoying you've got dad life to attend to i've got dad life and a uh, work day to attend to but it's great to see you uh thanks for putting out my record and uh anybody that's in the uk i know there's people in the uk that listen to this show that want to get the divided heaven record we're figuring out ways to get this record to you that's more affordable so thanks for your patience and uh yeah thanks gunner i appreciate it man yeah thank you and there you have it the last interview in this into oblivion series with gunner from gunner records thank you my man thanks to all of you for listening again go to dividedheaven.com where you can order the new Divided Heaven record on record, on CD or stream it if that's your thing that's really helpful too and I'll see y'all next week on the Berman Hour Podcast let's get